Bravo for the gathering band, and bravo for all of you. Welcome to the gathering. My name's Mike Marshall. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and for all of you here on our Fifth Street campus, welcome. Thank you for bundling up this morning. Thank you for letting us know that you're here by finding one of the attendance pads, signing your name, sharing it with others. We so appreciate that. Virtual online friends, good morning. In fact, everybody here on Fifth Street, turn around and wave if you would. Wave to our friends online. Hello, good morning. Some of you are live streaming right now. Others are using another function. Regardless, please let us know you're here. Register your attendance on the live stream. Uh, go on to the chat to let us know that you're here. We are just so happy to see all of you today. You probably noticed before the service that all the uh, slides that were scrolling on the screens uh, it's a reminder of all the ways that you can be involved. And one of those slides this morning was about the Bible challenge. Jania told me this morning that there are 200 people doing the Bible challenge, and it's this 
wonderful thing that we can celebrate. It's something that you can be a part of. You can still sign up for that. It creates a great way for you to have a daily rhythm of Bible reading. And if you want to find out more about that, contact Dr. Jania Garina Rodriguez. She is already in. In fact, somebody's calling you right now, Jania. Uh, okay. But the Bible challenge. Now, I know you're saying to yourselves right now, Mikester, it's kind of a loud tie. You're right. It has its own battery pack connected to it. And in fact, Clint, you know, if I wanted to go full metal jacket, I can do this as well. Ooh, ah, so the obvious question is, why? Well, it's because today in Academy is Loud Tie Day. Up on the second floor, adults and children are wearing loud ties and it's a great way to mark the beginning of Academy. Academy is restarting today. And you know, Vacation Bible School is nearly upon us. July 11th to the 5th, ooh, the magic of the communications team. July 11th to the 15th. Now, tomorrow at 9 o'clock, registration begins. Your parents, you're going to receive an email this afternoon with the link. You can use it beginning at 9 o'clock tomorrow. Truly, I'm, I'm, of all the silly things I say, this one is really serious. It's important to register right away because it always fills up and there's always a waiting list. And we want your children to be a part of it. So look for that link, sign up tomorrow, and know that this summer we are going to be celebrating Vacation Bible School. Well, we have a chance to celebrate worship right now, and we're going to begin with our call to worship. The words are going to be on the screens. I invite you now to stand. Friends, come, give thanks to our God. God's steadfast love endures forever. God is our strength and might and salvation. God's steadfast love endures forever. Because of this love, we shall not die. This is God's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that our God has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Mike, and welcome everybody. We're so glad you're here with us, worshiping at the gathering. If you're here in the sanctuary with us, hey, how are y'all doing? Everybody good? Whoa. Whew. I don't think anybody's awake yet. Uh, everybody online is here. Uh, welcome. You're, you are a part of this worship service with us as well, and we're so glad that you're here with us as well. Uh, this first song is one that is called Evidence, and if you've been to the gathering, you've heard it a couple times. Um, the chorus says this, I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life. And it says that over and over. And I hope that that can be our prayer this morning, that we can recognize how God is moving amongst us, how God is working in our lives, uh, and knowing that that evidence of God's goodness is around us. Let's sing this together. All throughout my history, your faithfulness has walked beside me. The winter storms make way for spring. In every season and where I'm standing, I see the evidence of your goodness. All of Promises and fulfillment all of my life, all of my life. Help me remember, help me 
morning. My name is Jenny. I'm one of the pastors here, and I will lead us right now in the prayers of the people, which is a sacred time during our worship service. Every time we gather together, we pray together. We are a body of Christ that are united by the Holy Spirit. As always, the prayer is going to start with the confession for us to invite God and meet us in our brokenness and recognize that we do need God's healing, salvation, forgiveness. There will be uh, several times during the prayer when I say, Lord, in your mercy, and your response is, hear our prayers. Let's say it again. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. And as always, we pray for specific people. I have my list here of people that are on my heart today, and I want to lift them up. I invite you also to think of somebody who needs a prayer today, who you want to just hold up in prayer for just a few seconds. Say their name out loud when I invite you so, and pray for them. Join me. Heavenly Father, you are so patient with us. We find it easy to blame others and other circumstances for the things which happen in our lives. We hear the words, if only, and just wonder why things didn't happen differently for us. Too often, we want you to be the magic presence which will, with the wave of a wand, cure us of all our ills, give us success and happiness, but we don't necessarily want to take responsibility for our attitudes and actions. Forgive us when we are so busy finding who to blame that we don't recognize your presence and love for us in the moment. Free us from placing our own desires first and foremost. Help us to look at the many ways in which you are working in the world for peace and justice and enable us to be part of that ministry. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Father God, the creator of all, your creation testifies about your power, your grace, your love, new lives, new hopes, new jobs, new opportunities. For all of this, God, we give you thanks. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayers. Everything that you create, you make free. And over and over again, our freedom is used for the purposes of sin, for alienation from you, for violence, for hatred, for greed. And yet, when we were at our worst, you did not abandon us, but you joined us. You came alongside us as Jesus Christ to redeem us and reconcile us, to restore us to relationship with you forever. And for this, God, we give you thanks. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Always and everywhere, O Holy Spirit, we are never alone. 
you come alongside us. You cover us with your grace and peace, and for this constant presence of God in our lives, we give you thanks. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. God, today I'm praying for Lachelle and Mike, and for Sarah. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Are there any others? Lord, in your mercy, hear. Lord, we are praying for all who are brokenhearted, all who struggle to find hope and strength, all who need to be encouraged, lifted up. Meet them, God, in their brokenness, in their weakness, and shine the light of your love into their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jinya. Hello, everyone. Good morning and welcome all of our friends here on Fifth Street, all of our folks joining online. My name is Lance Marshall, also one of the pastors here at the church, also the preacher for this service, also the heavy, the one who rolls in when it's time to do the fundraising and the receiving of the tithes and offerings. And I'm never embarrassed to do so because I am so incredibly thankful and proud of the ministries that happen through this church. As my Uncle Mike mentioned earlier in the service, this is the first Sunday of Academy for the spring semester. For those of you who aren't familiar with the way that children's ministry happens in our church, we have something called the Academy model, meaning if you're a third grader, that doesn't automatically mean you go just to the third grade class. Instead, you go to a class that tells biblical stories and helps your children grow in faith based on your interests. For example, I have a kid in the guitar class this semester who's going to be learning uh, learning hymns while they learn how to play guitar and sing and all that comes together. I have a kid who's in the archaeology class uh, where they do the digging and they discover uh, different artifacts and that ties into Bible stories. My wife is one of the teachers in the Lego class. Come on, if you were in third grade and they had Lego class, wouldn't that have transformed the way that you thought about going to church on a Sunday morning? It is so powerful and so special and it's a great time uh, when Academy is in full session. Special thanks also to the people who are teaching there. And uh, Mike also mentioned the need to register for VBS. And I feel like I need to maybe give an extra support to that statement because he's right. It will absolutely fill up. What he didn't quite make clear is that it will fill up in hours, <laughs> which I think is a very pertinent piece of information uh, if, if you want to make sure that your kids get a chance to participate in VBS. We have to cap VBS just based on the number of kids that we can fit in the building. And our Vacation Bible School will fill up in hours because it is a transformational experience for faith and community in the lives of young people here in the city of Fort Worth. So I hope that you make sure to register tomorrow immediately so that you get a chance to participate. One of the things we're going to talk about in the sermon is the idea that your behavior is dictated by your beliefs. Your behavior is dictated by your beliefs. Your uh, your behavior uh, is a result of what you believe. And so many of you believe, and not only in the transforming work of Christ, but in the work that Christ is doing through this portion of the body of Christ, our church, that you behave in a way that is self-sacrificial and incredibly generous. You prioritize service to the body of Christ, our church, with your time and with your financial resources because you believe so much in what God is doing through this place. And you behave that way over and over and over again through your love and your generosity and through your support. And I just want to celebrate you. I want to commend the work that Christ is doing in your life and through all of us in our church. In just a second, I'm going to invite our ushers to come forward to receive God's tithes and offerings. Uh, if you're old school cool and you like to write checks uh, or a money order, or a roll of stamps or something like that, absolutely put them in the basket as they come around. If you want to give online, you can go to fumcfw.org slash give now, whether you're in person or online now or anytime to support the ministries of the church. So as our ushers come forward, I just want to thank again the work that you are doing in making possible these incredible ministries through our church, through your continued generosity and sacrificial giving. Would you please join me as we pray and bless these gifts? Great and loving God, we give you thanks as we return to you a portion of what you have entrusted to all of us. God, please use these gifts, bless them, and put them to work for the strengthening of your church and the coming of your kingdom. And it's in Christ's name that we all pray and say, amen.
Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand when everything around me is shaken. I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus, because he's never let me down. He's faithful through generations, so why would he fail now? He won't. He won't. I've still got joy in chaos. I've got peace that makes no sense. Friends, our scripture reading today comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. So if you want to open your Bibles, the Bibles that you all are reading, some of you are reading every day, this is the time. And then Lance is going to guide us through the scripture as he is preaching, but first we will read it together. Again, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. Brothers and sisters, I want to call your attention to the good news that I preached to you, which you also received and in which you stand. You are being saved through it if you hold on to the message I preached to you, unless somehow you believed it for nothing. I passed on to you as most important what I also received. Christ died for our sins in line with the scriptures. He was buried 
and he rose on the third day in line with the scriptures. He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at once. Most of them are still alive to this day, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me, as if I were born at the wrong time. I'm the least important of the apostles. I don't deserve to be called an apostle because I harassed God's church. I am what I am by God's grace, and God's grace hasn't been for nothing. In fact, I have worked harder than all the others. That is, it wasn't me, but the grace of God that is with me. So then, whether you heard the message from me or them, this is what we preach, and this is what you have believed. God speaks to us through the reading of the Scripture. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Be to God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you, Jenya. Before we consider today's scripture reading and today's message, first, if you have a Bible with you, go ahead and keep it open. We're going to be referring back to it in just a few minutes. want to thank Clint and the band for leading us in worship. want to thank the tech team for connecting all of us who are joined online, either live or recorded at a later date. Thankful that you're with us this morning. want to thank everyone who's teaching over in the Justin Youth Building, teaching our junior high and high school kids. I want to thank all the folks who are volunteering in adult ministry and children's ministry this morning. Our hospitality team, everyone who has found their place in ministry here at the church. If you haven't found your place in ministry yet, we would love to help you find a place where you can belong and serve right here at the church. My name is Lance, one of the pastors here at the church and uh, primarily the speaker here at the gathering. And one of the things that has happened a lot in my wife and I's life over the course of the past few weeks is we're getting a chance to catch up with some friends that we haven't seen in a long time. One of my wife's closest and best friends from college ended up moving to Singapore to become a teacher there. And so she's been teaching in Singapore for the last decade. And you don't get a chance to see her very often. Every couple of years, she gets a chance to come home. And so she got a chance to come back to Texas, and, and my wife got a chance to spend a day with her. It was great to see Anna and visit with her on her trip back from Singapore. We had a chance to uh, spend a three-hour Zoom call with some of our best friends from high school uh, earlier this week, all just hanging out and catching up and seeing what's going on in everybody's life. And we were it was important, you know, after a chance to get to talk about, you know, how's everything going in your family? How's everything going with your kids? How's everything going in your career, we had to do the really important work of checking in with the people that we know and we love and asking important questions like, what are you watching on TV right now? What shows are you watching? We need to know. What are you watching? What are you digging right now? What are you into? And it's, I don't know, this hasn't been the case all of our life, but I feel like there's too much TV, guys. Like, we're talking, and someone will say, you know, oh, I'm watching this show right now, and it's a historical fiction, and it's set in this drama, and there's this, and there's that, and it's crazy, and you're like, wow, that's amazing. I'd be really into that. Where is it? I've never heard of it. And they go, Netflix? And then you go, oh, okay, this never showed up. And then you say your show. I'm, I'm really into this show, and it's sci-fi, and there's explosions, and there's aliens, and it's, oh, you never know if it's a real, is it a dream? I'm really into it. Where's that? Netflix? And it never showed up. Like, the, the algorithm's hiding it from me. We can't, even, we can't even agree or find the same programs, even when we're watching the same streaming service, let alone you have that crazy friend, and they, they have this story, they're really in, this story they're really into, and they're sharing it. And you're like, where is that? And they go, Paramount Plus. And you're like, weirdo. Okay, I'm not going to chase you down the rabbit hole of obscure apps, right? I swear, I was talking to a buddy one time, and he was telling me about this news program that he really liked. He's like, I really like it. It's funny. It's punchy. It gets to the point. It's my favorite place to get news. And I was like, cool. What network is that on? And he goes, the little TVs at the gas station <laughs> on, the <laughs> on the pump. <laughs> There's too much TV. We can't connect on it, right? There used to be like one channel for three hours, and that was it. There's too much TV, and we can't connect on it. We can't all know what everybody else is watching, except for the fact that a huge percentage of this room has memorized every line to, we don't talk about Bruno. Am I right? <laughs> After a couple days of snowed in with little kids, we all know we don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> by heart at this point. There are so much TV, we're not all watching the same thing, we're not connecting, we're off in our own little corners of the entertainment sphere, except Disney and Pixar movies. <laughs> Am I right? 
these are just the, like, it's the last piece of monoculture that exists for us. It's the last bit. And what's amazing more, I mean, people can't agree on anything. We can't agree on anything. We can't find common ground on anything. And yet, when you go to like imdb.com or when you go to Rotten Tomatoes or something like that, and the world's greatest movies ever, it's like Citizen Kane, Toy Story 1, 3, and 2, <laughs> All the Pixar movies, Godfather. There's something about these movies, right? These Disney movies, these Pixar movies that are just beloved and powerful and true and meaningful in a way that other stuff that we connect with doesn't seem to be. And I don't mean to sound like a huge shill for it or anything, but uh, I mean, I think there's something meaningful in the fact that these are more beloved and common and universal than any other part of our fractured media landscape. And what is also true is that those movies are all ultimately about the same thing. Whether we're talking about race cars or we're talking about toys that have come to life, or we're talking about mermaid fish boys. What we're really talking about is love and belonging and purpose and family, right? Whether we are inside the anthropomorphized emotions of our individual characters, we're telling the one story the one meaningful story that actually matters. And it's the same story over and over and over again. And whether we're talking about all those other things, what we're really talking about is love and family and connection and belonging and purpose. And that's why we just can't get enough. This is the one thing worth actually talking about. That's the transition into the sermon series that we've been in for the last number of weeks now. We're in a sermon series between now and Lent. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Lent, Lent is, we all know Easter. We all know when Easter is every year. It's the first Sunday after the first full moon after the vernal equinox. We all know. <laughs> We've all got our moon-based timekeeping systems. And Lent begins 40 days, not including Sundays before Easter. 40 days, the time of uh, 40 indicative of the flood, 40 indicative of the time that Jesus spent in the wilderness. We spent 40 days not including Sundays leading up to Easter. Begins with Ash Wednesday, and that this year begins second day of March. For the sermon series then, we're going to be focused on struggles and stumbling blocks that we all f face in our lives, in our journey of faith, and how when we face those stumbling blocks, they turn into stepping stones. They turn into the solid foundation of what faith is actually built. In fact, the journey of faith isn't a journey that's free of temptation. It's taking temptation and turning it into something powerful. Before that, though, we're in a sermon series, and sorry to psych out the people on the screens. Now we're in a sermon series right now called Taking Love Seriously. Taking Love Seriously, beginning to lead up to that Lenten season. And taking love seriously just takes seriously the idea that love is the actual answer to the actual problems that we're really facing in our churches, in our communities, in our family units, in our places of business, in our politics, in our communities, everywhere. Love is the actual solution. We talk about love. I gave the definition. Love is seeing the best in others and giving your best for others. That's what love is. That's a definition that we're using here. Seeing the best in others and giving your best for others. And, and love is the actual answer to those real problems that we actually face. I've been reading one book of the Bible to guide us through this series, 1 Corinthians. And given a little bit of background for the last couple of weeks, if you've already heard it, bear with me. Some folks are new. 1 Corinthians is a letter from someone to someone about something. It's by the Apostle Paul, one of the followers of Jesus in the first generation following his crucifixion and his resurrection. And Paul has traveled and established churches. He's preached the gospel to them, people who've never heard it before, never heard anything about Jesus, maybe not even know the, the, the God of Israel from whom Jesus is the fulfillment. He's preaching and he's teaching, he's shaping them, he's forming them into churches. And they're small churches. They're smaller than most of the Sunday school classes here at this church. And then he goes on and he travels, but he checks back in with them. And we've been reading some of the mail between Paul and that church in Corinth. And the first church in Corinth is drama. We have a word in Texas. We have a phrase for describe people like First Church Corinth. And that phrase is, bless their hearts. Bless the hearts of First Church Corinth, right? They're a mess, y'all. They're a mess. 
Bless their hearts. They're suing each other. They're fighting over power. They're behaving in ways that make others feel separate or less than because of their social status or more importantly, lack thereof. They're turning their church into just a mirror and a microcosm of the values of a world around them. Bless their hearts. They're fighting over things like spiritual gifts and they're taking this concept of giftedness and the way that God is at work in them and through them and they're using it in ways that make them feel like some people are better or above or superior than others. It's a mess. Bless their hearts. And Paul's been writing back to them and that's what this letter is. It's him teaching over and over again. And it's interesting. You don't need to turn to it. We don't have it on the screens. I didn't tell them that I was going to do this. So uh, y'all upstairs, don't freak out. But when he's beginning the letter, he says a greeting and all this kind of stuff. And then in, in chapter 2, the very beginning of this letter, really, the first chapter is greeting and overview. And in, in chapter 2, uh, verse 1, he says, When I came to you, brothers and sisters, I didn't come preaching God's secrets to you like I was an expert in speech or wisdom. I had made up my mind not to think about anything while I was with you except Jesus Christ and to preach him as crucified. That's how he starts this letter. I got so much to talk about, so much to talk about. And I need you to remember that when I was with you, I resolved to not speak about anything except Jesus Christ and, his, and him crucified. The main thing was going to be the main thing. Then over the course of this letter, he's gone and he's touched into so many things that are important and they apply to us today. The idea that we're all uniquely powerful and gifted in special ways, that God so loves you and has such a high vision for you and what you are capable of, that God has gifted you with special gifts that are at their fullest. In fact, you're at your fullest when you're living through your gifts for the benefit of others, right? If you're a teacher, your gifts are best used when you're using them for the benefit of others. If you're an explainer and a guide, it's best used when you're using it for others. If you're wise, you're living in your fullness when you're giving it for the benefit of others. And then most importantly, we need to understand all of our gifts are so different they're so different that we together are at our best when we in our differences are united. And an image that he gives is like a body and we all have different portions of belonging in that body. And if one part of the body hurts, then all of the body hurts. And if we take that vision, that understanding of love seriously, it changes the way we think about ourselves and it changes the way we think about other people. That's how he begins this letter is reminding them about what he proclaimed to them about Christ and Christ crucified. And now we're at the end of the letter. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians 15 for three weeks because 1 Corinthians 15 is one of the key portions of the Bible that is applicable to your everyday life. If you're one of these people that really wants to have a physical copy of the Bible that you read and that you interact with and that has good news in it for you, and that's a, that's a document, that's a testimony to your journey through faith, faith, then take 1 Corinthians 15 and dog ear it or put a paper clip in it or get a cutesy little bookmark with a tassel and let it just hang right there in 1 Corinthians 15 because this is one of those portions of the Bible that you so desperately need to be able to get to when you need to get to something. This is where you need to go. And Junior read it, but I want to highlight the importance of what's going on here. Because what Paul is saying to them, and he's been talking about their behavior over and over again. He's been talking about their behavior, and let's be honest, the ways in which their behavior is not up to par, is not acceptable, is not pleasing in God's sight. And he's been talking about their behavior and he's been giving them directions over and over again on how to change or improve their behavior. But when he transitions here in 1 Corinthians 15, what he is making clear to them is your behavior is the byproduct of what you believe. Your behavior is the byproduct of what you believe. And the core issue in their church is despite the preaching they have heard and despite the teachings that they have received and despite the good news that's been proclaimed to them, they have not yet let the good news of the gospel completely sink into their lives. He begins to talk and he says, Brothers and sisters, I want to call your attention to the good news that I preach to you. This is 15.1, which you also received and in which you stand. You are being saved through it if you hold on to the message I preach to you, unless somehow you believed it for nothing. Basically saying, like, unless you faked it or didn't let it sink in. I passed on to you the most important, as most important, what I also received. Christ died for our sins in line with the scriptures. He was buried, and he rose on the third day in line with the scriptures. 
He appeared to Cephas, that's the name for Simon Peter, and then to the 12 apostles, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at once. Most of them are alive to this day, though some have died. He appeared to James, Jesus' brother, then to all the apostles, and last of all, if he appeared to me. He's making it clear what they need to remember. And what they need to remember is the gospel and what it means. The gospel and what it means. And, and the key to unlocking all this, and I'm sorry, this is the last time I'm going to bring it up on the screen, then I'm going to let you guys rest. 15.2. If you could bring 15.2 up on the screen. If you can bring First uh, Corinthians 15.2. If you have it physically in front of you, this is what I want you to highlight, underline, etc. You are being saved through it. If you hold on to the message I preach to you, you are being saved through it. So if you're new here, I'm sorry, um, but I'm about to go on a rant. And so welcome to the gathering. You are being saved through the proclamation of that gospel is what he said. In order for you to understand that, in the year 2022 in Fort Worth, Texas. We're not in Corinth, and it's not 2,000 years ago. For you to understand what being saved means, then you need to make sure that you have the right understanding of what salvation is. And I hate to admit it, and I hate to acknowledge it, but there's a really good chance, just based on the cultural Christianity that's in the water, there's a really good chance that at least one person walked into the room today or is watching online, either live or recorded at a later date, and they've come to think that salvation is a one-time thing, probably marked by them saying some certain prayer to their television screen, and they did it that one time, and it's over, all saved, all good, done. It happened at a youth retreat one time and it's over. That's not how salvation works. Salvation is the process of being transformed. Salvation is the work of being changed. Salvation is the byproduct of a life lived in contact with God's grace. And it's something that happens over and over and over again, ongoing in our lives. In order to understand what salvation is, and in order to understand its purpose, you have to begin the story at the beginning. Because the beginning is this. The very root, the very foundation, the very source of all being is God. And God reveals to us that God is a trinity. God is not one. God is three. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's the best language that God can give us for it. And it's too complicated for us, and that's okay. But what we know is that God is community. And the byproduct of a loving community is creation. It always has been, and it always will be. A loving community creates. And so the loving community that is God breathed creation into being. And it pleased God to do so because that's the byproduct of loving community. And God breathed creation into being so that creation could know and reflect and receive and share in God's love. Which is why God created creation to be free. All of it to be free. Because you can't force something into loving you. And so if something's going to actually receive, actually proclaim, and actually give back your love, it has to be free. So God creates a creation, a full created order that is free. And as a portion of God's created order grows up enough, becomes mature enough to begin to ask God, who are you and who are we? God begins to reveal and to proclaim who God is and what pleases God and what God values and what love actually is and is really like. And then when the time is right, God joins that community, comes alongside it in Christ Jesus. Not to forsake, not to turn away, not to condemn, but to restore, to proclaim, to teach, and to provide. And finally, to give God's own self so that no rejection, either individual or on behalf of all of humanity, can ever push God's love away. And then God overcomes that death, overcomes that rejection, and through the resurrection of Christ Jesus, promises that nothing anywhere ever can separate you from God's love. And receiving that kind of love and taking that kind of love in your life seriously begins a work that is so complete and so changing and so powerful. The only possible word that you can use to describe it is salvation. And that happens every day when you remember what, uh, the, what I proclaim to you, Paul says. I mean, that's what I think he says. That's what I think he says. And that's what I think he says to you. And that's what I'm saying to you. You see, when we talk about gifts, 
And when we talk about belonging in the body, and when we talk about your place here and what it is to be the church and what it is to live in love and all these kind of things, we're talking about all this other stuff, but what we're talking about is the gospel, and you're not getting it because you're not getting it. So let's get it, he says. You're not getting it because you're not getting it. So let's get it. We don't have a spiritual gifts problem. We have a gospel problem. And at the end of your day, you don't actually believe in your heart of hearts that this is the truth of your life and it is manifesting itself in fights and bickering and disagreements over and over and over again. Your behavior is the byproduct of your beliefs. Let me give a hypothetical. Let's explore a hypothetical. Let's see, explore the hypothetical of a good person. A good person. A nice person. And they believe at their heart of hearts that life is about being nice. About being kind and about minding your own business. And additionally, maybe building up some comfort for yourself and avoiding things that are hard or disruptive or divisive. Life is about being nice. It's about being kind. It's about being comfortable. That's what they, at their core, believe. Now what happens in a person like that's life when relationships really start to be tested? What happens in a person like that's life when they're placed in real conflict? What happens in a person's like that life when they face actual challenges and unfairness and suffering and grief? What do they have to rely on? What do they have to build them up? What do they have to give them strength for tomorrow? What do they have to help them pick themselves up off the mat? And what do they have to share to someone they love when they're going through that thing? If at the core of their life, all they really think life is about is about being nice and being comfortable, what do they actually have? Compare that to someone else who at their core believes that they were made so that they can receive and proclaim the love that God has for them? What if at their core they believe that no matter what, no matter what they have done or left undone, no matter how they feel about themselves or how they have let themselves down or disappointed others or anything else, no matter what, they are uniquely cherished and loved by the same God that is the the founder and the supporter and the innovator of all things and that God so loves them that God gave God's self for them so that they could always live in that love always, in the kind of life that not only shapes and changes their current moment, but exists on the other side of the grave, no matter what. And they believe that in their heart. They believe that with the core of everything they are. When they believe that, what does that do? What does that allow them to be when the relationships that they're in start to really face strain? What does that allow them to proclaim in the face of suffering and death and illness and unfairness and loss? What does that allow them to be to the people that they love who desperately need a word of hope? What does it make possible for them? How does their behavior change when they actually believe that good news? Okay, so we're going to reach the portion of the sermon where I become less popular. This is the get in your kitchen portion of the message. What does your behavior indicate about your most important beliefs? Not the other way around. An objective observer observing your life. What does your behavior indicate are your most important desires, hopes, and the things in which you fundamentally trust. Does your behavior over and over and over again with the people you love and the people with whom you work and the people you encounter and the people you serve and the people who serve you, does it over and over and over again indicate that you see them as equals, 
that you see them as beloved because you see yourself as beloved. And in the face of all things, you know that all things come to completion in the one whose life and death and resurrection saves us day by day. Does your behavior indicate that that is what you believe? Is it what you believe? If that's a hard hypothetical for you, if that's a wake-up moment for you, if that's a hard word to hear today or that challenges you today or it gets in your kitchen today or makes you uncomfortable today, that's okay. No matter what, you are not a bad person, but you are caught in a bad story. If you have some fundamental core belief, if in your heart you believe anything other than the life and the death and the resurrection of Christ saves you day by day. You're not a bad person, but you are caught in a bad story. You are caught in a story that will ultimately lead to a dead end. Because there's one true story. There's one good story. There is one story worth living your entire life trusting and giving to your children and proclaiming to the people that you love and living into with every breathing moment of your far too short earthly life. And that is the good news that we proclaim to you today. And maybe you've heard this 10,000 times and this is old and you just can't wait to get to Taverna for brunch. Fine. But maybe this is the first time. And if it's the first time, then let it be the first time that you say yes. That's the story. That's what I've been looking for. Because that is is the truth. Friends, when we talk about everything else, when we talk about spiritual disciplines, and we talk about growth, and we talk about discipleship, and we talk about growing in faith, when we talk about all these other things, what we're really talking about is the gospel. And the gospel is that Christ died for your sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried, and three days later he was resurrected from the dead, and that through him you have access to the kind of life that not only transforms everything about you now, but will exist on the other side of the grave, and that's his free gift offered to you because he says you're worth it. Do you believe it? Let's pray. Jesus, author of salvation, giver of all grace, do we believe it? Do we believe that we're worth it? Do we believe that you're that good? Do we believe that life is up to us, our achievements, our accomplishments, looking good enough, achieving enough, providing enough, or do we believe what you've proclaimed? That the kingdom of God is at hand. That we can change our hearts and lives and believe in your good news. No matter who we are, no matter where we're from. Do we believe, O oh Lord? Grant us the courage to shake whatever story that has made its way into our hearts free. Because our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Lord, help us to set our lives firmly on the foundation of your endless love. And whether we do so for the thousandth time or the very first time in our lives, we do so right now as together we proclaim the words that you taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, the 
the highlight, the peak, the zenith of our time of worship and the gathering every single week is the experience of the sacrament of Holy Communion. If you we're still doing communion with the prepackaged elements that were handed to you when you walked in today, if you don't have the prepackaged elements, if you would raise your hand, one of our ushers would love to bring those to you in your seat. Just keep them up for a second. They're coming down from behind you. They'll make sure that you have some. If you want to go ahead and take the top layer and peel it back, it's a really thin, clear layer. If you'll take that and it'll reveal a wafer in it, the wafer is gluten-free. You can take that wafer, hold it in the palm of your hand, then take that second layer, peel it back, and that'll reveal the juice. And I'll ask you just to hold those two things open. On the day that he was to give himself up for us, he was to sacrifice himself. He was to endure the humiliation and the pain and the death of the cross, knowing that the people that were with him in that room and the people following him 2,000 years later in Texas would need a sign, a chance to taste, touch, and feel and know the truth of this gospel and the power and the claim that it had over their lives. He gave us this gift. He gave us this chance to taste, touch, feel, and know that power and presence with us. He took a loaf of ordinary table bread, something they just had at the table. He took it and he broke it and he said, take all of you and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. As you eat the way for now, do it in remembrance of the body of Christ, broken for you. Then he took a cup of ordinary table wine, gave thanks over it, blessed it, and passed it, and said, take all of you and drink. This is my blood of the new covenant, the new promise, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And as you drink it, do so in remembrance of the promise that Nothing that you've done or left undone could ever separate you from this promise of life everlasting given to you in Christ. Friends, no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, this meal, this sacrament, this gift of grace is for you. The table is set. The meal is ready. Receive it and be fed. Amen.
Friends, as we come to the end of our time of worship together this morning, I just want to reach out and say, if there's something on your heart or in your mind that you'd really like to pray with some over, you'd like to spend time just lifting up in prayer, one of our congregational care ministers after this and every service will be over in the front by the congregational care ministry sign. Congregational care ministers are trained members of our congregation who really specialize and have a heart for joining you and lifting up in prayer, uh, whatever it is that we can pray with you for. So I want to let you know that that's available. Also, if you're interested in learning more about becoming a Christian, about becoming a part of this church, about finding a place of connection, about growing in faith. The answer to those and any other questions can be found at the on-ramp. On-ramp is usually in the garden, uh, but it's cold outside today. I don't know if you guys know that, and all of our volunteers are from, you know, like Miami, so they don't like it out there. So it's in, it's in the Welcome Center right here in the entrance to the church through the garden. They would love to say hello. If you're a first-time visitor or guest, we have a gift for you, so please make sure to stop by and visit there. Finally, if you're a uh, young one, are in our children's ministry program up there. Remember that their program goes until 1045, so please honor the commitments of our volunteers and don't take them out of the class until they've completed all their work at 1045. Outside of the, the children's ministry area is a hangout space for parents. There's coffee and some munchies up there, and you can get together and hang out with some other parents and talk about how thrilled you are that school is back on Monday. So uh, you will be in good company there. Uh, please bow your heads and receive this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May God's face raise to shine upon you. And may the good news of Christ's love be the core of your beliefs now and every day of your life. Amen. Go in peace.